I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Intercooler podcast. Hello, everybody. This is episode 81. Dan Prosser and Andrew Frankel with you here. Andrew, we're talking car films. This is the 81st episode of the Intercooler podcast and we haven't done one on car films or motorsport no. films we've probably talked you know spoken about you know individual films now and again but not a whole episode of the podcast no um, we, we, we did a chunk on the Schumacher documentary didn't we in a previous podcast yeah. a week or two back but then no, we've never done one and it's, it's crazy isn't it because when, we're, when you're down the pub talking about cars it's always one of the subjects that comes up um, so we're going to have a trot through what we think are the best ones and a few of the clunkers too. Yeah, and we're we're talking car films. We're talking car chases. We're going to talk motorsport films. Uh, yeah, and there's an entire franchise of car films that you haven't apparently seen a single minute of. Is that true? I'm not even going to mention the franchise yet, but I think I, you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, I hang my head in shame. Are they any good? We'll come. We'll come to those later on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm going to disappoint you. <laughs> within the first minute of this podcast because some of the great ones that you're going to talk about now yes i've not seen oh dear i haven't seen <laughs> what i haven't seen le mans what? i haven't seen grand prix um, uh, are you serious no yeah, i'm serious I, if i didn't have such a busy weekend i'd put that right over the next couple of days but okay okay so we need to, we, we need to get you around you, you, you need to be educated okay um well in the way let's let, let, the, let that education begin now. Okay. Um, so, I, I mean, I've, I've heard about Le Mans, and um, it's the McQueen film, isn't it? In, yeah. In the 1917s. Um, I've even had a conversation with Herbert Linger, who oh, was drafted hell. in to do, to do the driving in yeah. Steve McQueen's plays. Yes. Um, so, I, I'm well aware of the film. I just haven't ever bothered to sit down and watch it. What am I missing out on? Okay, so... There are two schools of thoughts with this film. One is, is that it's the greatest piece of 
um, cinema that's ever been filmed. The other is that it's a total mess. And actually, both positions are utterly defensible, depending on where you're coming. As a film, you know, we, which way you'd expect there to be a story, a sort of narrative with a sort of start. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just a joke. It, it's basically the entire film is an excuse for Steve McQueen to go mucking about with his mates in, in the Moorcars. Um, and there is some preposterous kind of love interest story in there, and it's and, and, and you're sort of watching there. You just think, can we can we just get, get back to the 1970s? Because <laughs> none of it rings even slightly true. Um, but the reason you should watch it is the cinematography is absolutely extraordinary. Um, you know, this film was made over 50 years ago, um, and you know, little things like you know they actually entered a car into the race, into the 1970 Le Mans, a Porsche 908, um, which was loaded with cameras and every pit stop. I mean, it actually finished the race, but I think it, it, it had spent so long having films changed in its pit stops, it was unclassified because it didn't do the sort of required distance. But Jonathan Williams drove that. Um, I think, actually, with your mate Linger, I think. Mm, that's very yeah. well. And um, so when you see the start of the film... And it's all the cars, and it's like an on-car shot, and all the cars streaming off in the distance. That's all real. So there's lots of stuff in there that is real. Um, obviously, the cars are amazing. But what what McQueen did, um, and McQueen is not a person I'm a fan of at all, because I think that um, from a personal point of view, he was pretty um, reprehensible. But the film he created, because he shot everything at race speed, he didn't want to do anything. I mean, there basically there are no special effects in this um, because everything is as you see it. Um, so, if you see a car, a nine seventeen, looking like it's doing two hundred and ten miles an hour down the Mulsanne Strait, that's because it's a nine seventeen doing two hundred and ten miles an hour down the Mulsanne Strait. And when the cars are sort of, you know, getting sideways and the drivers battling for control, that's because that's what's happening. So it has, uh, and there are some incredible shots where. You know, sort of tracking shots, which are inches away from the car. Um, and as a, as a spectacle to the car fan, to anybody else, the films are nonsense. But if you okay. love that stuff, and I'm looking over your left shoulder to your picture of your 917 at Daytona. Um, if you love that stuff, you can't not love this. You can't, wait, you can't not be spellbound by this film. It's, oh, it's, wow. almost, it's almost not... I mean, don't think of it as a film. Just think of it as... Uh, yeah, almost as a documentary um, and it's amazing that does sound so you've, you've actually answered one of my questions there I was going to say is it just a motorsport perverts thing yes it or is absolutely Mrs. Frankel sit no, down and watch no, it Mrs. No, I, no Mrs. Frankel would I mean <laughs> she would run as fast as she possibly could in the, upper, in, in the other direction um, there, but there are some great bits in it so the, so the only bit of trickery is there are a couple of big crashes in it um, one to a Ferrari one to a Porsche uh, except they weren't Ferraris or Porsches. They were both loaded T70s wearing Ferrari and Porsche bodywork. And they were they were radio controlled. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's, that's quite interesting. And, and, and because it's all done in sort of slow-mo, you can actually see one of them. I can't remember which one it is. I think it's the Porsche when that sort of crashes um, and the bodywork starts, starts coming underneath it. You can see the fact that you can see the yellow Lola that's underneath it. Um, <laughs> so I guess because they didn't want to write off a... Um, 
a 917 or a, a real 512. But the, the way those accidents are done are, are, are pretty are pretty convincing. Um, you know they had you know they had some proper trouble making it. Uh, oh, well, little things like they completely ran out of money, had to change the director and um, that sort of thing. But you know Derek Bell was in a car which blew up with him in it, um, burnt him quite badly. Um, there's actually a picture of him with his face just completely. Um, uh, and then David Piper had an enormous accident, uh, the one in which he lost his leg, um, making the film. And if you see the picture of the car afterwards, it's literally, it's a bit of tangled metal with a seat and there's nothing else. Um, and frankly, you, 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 you'd be very surprised that he came out of that without having lost an awful lot more than his leg. Um, so, I mean, I'm not even sure that we can, you know, carry on being friends if you if you haven't seen that. We have, we, you know, you, you need to go and see it. You need to, you need to be able to talk to me about it. I mean, I'm actually, I'm genuinely interested because everybody I've spoken to about it um, has seen it a thousand times, and we always say the same sort of thing. So I'd love to speak to speak to someone who only just seen it for the first time. Um, well, I feel like a, I shouldn't have confessed that just now. No, um, but I mean, it is a very compelling proposition. The fact that it was actually shot at Elamon. And the fact that it gives you such an insight into that place during such an incredible era. And all the people who were doing the driving, um, you know, basically what happened was, you know, they, they filmed the race in, 19, in June 1970. Uh, and then they just booked the circuit for months and all the drivers stayed. And so all the people doing all the driving, they're all the people who've been at Le Mans a few weeks earlier. Um, so from that point of view, it's completely authentic. Um, and yeah, a um, fascinating film, if not necessarily a very good, but a very good one. Okay, I'll dig it out. I will put this right. Good. Um, but also, I will put. I will put. Uh, not having seen Grand Prix right, uh, is is this the Polanski film? No, it's the Frankenheimer film. Okay, the Polanski one is gr- gr- Weekend of a Champion, isn't it? It's, it's the Jackie Stewart one. That's the Jackie Stewart one. Yeah, and that's documentary. Yeah, right. So, no, okay. so, 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 Grand Prix is not a documentary. Grand Prix is a proper movie, um, and that was shot in six. So it predates Le Mans, um, and it was shot in sixty-five or sixty-six. Um, and funnily enough, it's about Grand Prix racing, not sports car racing. Um, and actually, it's a better film than Le Mans. It's got a less preposterous plot. Um, it's got just as many big names in it. Um, some of them actually have you know, Graham Hills in there. I think he's actually got a character name in it. Um, and you see all these drivers around, and you'll see, you know, there's Richie Ginther and there's Mark Spence and there's Graham. I mean, they're, so they're all there. Um, the driving, the, the cinematography is—it's a much more artistically created film than Le Mans, I would say. Frankenheimer did an incredible job with it. Um, and there are some fabulous sequences in it. Um, and, and what Frankenheimer didn't have, which Steve McQueen had, I mean, Frankenheimer didn't have an unlimited number of um, Formula One drivers for the duration of his, of his film to, um, to drive the cars. And he had certain actors um, playing racing drivers who literally didn't know how to drive. So, you know, the, the kind of uh, one of the two main stars, um, Brian Bedford, um, literally didn't know how to drive. And I think he might have just passed his test. But 
Um, that's why when you see him, he's always got dark goggles on a big balaclava <laughs> pulled up because it's not him. It's not him. <laughs> because it's not him. Um, by contrast, James Garner, Jim Rockford, um, who was like the other lead character in it, he was an unbelievable driver um, to the extent that sometimes when you're looking at the other drivers who didn't know how to drive, you're actually looking at James Garner. He doubled. He basically was a stunt driver as well as the, you know, so, and he was um, as quick as any of them. Uh, and I, I met him once, um, as you do, at Monza. Um, and he was quite old and his knees were a bit shot. Um, but we just talked and talked and talked. And he, ju- he just loved racing. Um, he used to go off and do sort of the Baja 1000. So his insurance wouldn't let him do circuit racing, which is what he really wanted to do. But they couldn't stop him doing that sort of thing. So that's what he did for years and years. And, you know, and he shared cars with some really impressive people and did really, really well. Um, and in the film, there's an unbelievable bit in the film. He's driving, it's, they call it a Yamura, but it's obviously meant to be a Honda. It's like a white Formula One car. Um, and there's a bit in the film where this car is required to blow up. Um, and it's a Brands Hatch. And so the idea is that it comes down the, uh, the pit straight and it catches fire and, you know, the stuntman has to stop the car and bail it. Stuntman didn't turn up that day. <laughs> okay. Didn't fancy it. No. So um, Garner went, well, I'll do it. And, and so, and they had, so what they did, you remember telling me, they, they had butane bottles in the car. Um, which they said to him, well, if you just press this button, it's going to go warm for a little bit, but it'll be kind of fine, and you can just... And we'll just sort of make it look... And he said when he pressed it, basically... And you can see it in the film, the whole thing just goes kaboom. And, and, and he's in there going, oh, shit, 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 shit. And he's got it on the grass, and he's bailing out of it. And that is James Garner doing that. I mean, it is Bloody extraordinary. Hell. It is absolutely extraordinary. I mean, yes, it's hard to imagine... I don't know, Ryan Gosling or someone like that agree, agree, agreeing to do that today. Um, but um, it's a really, really good film. It's, got, it's, it's actually got some, uh, you know, the, you, 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 can, you, you can emotionally invest in it in some of the characters. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and obviously you get to see all the old circuits because it's not just based at one of them. Um, uh, in, in, the, in their pomp and you get to see what they were like to drive around and all those beautiful old cars and um, yeah it's a brilliant film it's probably my favourite oh wow okay oh, I really feel like I'm letting you down by not having seen them I will put this right um, but it's interesting that you talk about the sort of authenticity of the action sequences in those two films because yes. that is what frustrates me about the more modern motorsport uh, films yeah. even so Le Mans 66 I enjoyed watching that film, but the driving sequences never look right. No. They just... just no. I don't but know. That's they seem too was, slow. Yeah, that was made by a, by a director who was a very gifted director, but he wasn't a car guy at all. Um, and, I, and, and, and he completely admitted to that. Um, and also, I suspect they... I've learnt the lesson of, certainly of L'Amour. Um, and, you know, L'Amour was a complete flop. You know, no, no, nobody. I mean, it was panned. Um, it was a commercial disaster, and so maybe to you or me, you're absolutely right. And you know, I don't know if you've seen um, Driven. Um, you seen Driven? So Driven is the made about twenty years. Sylvester Stallone is an no, Indy car no. driver. <laughs> no, um, it's absolutely preposterous. 
It really, I mean, I'll tell you, it's even more preposterous than Days of Thunder. Um, I mean, it's an absolutely ridiculous film. Um, you know, it's, you know they're, they're going around ovals and, um, you know, and you know, he's, he, he's there against his, his nemesis. And so what he decides to do to go faster is, you know, change down and put his foot down. And so you see the gadget <laughs> and it's just, ah! it's just, it's just a joke. Um, <laughs> but you know the, the, the Frankenheimer and the McQueen movies—they are amazing because I guess it was more difficult actually to do special effects back then. You know they didn't have green screens or you know um, CGI or, or, or any kind of CGI, so you kind of had to do it. I mean, they did do in Fra- the Frankenheimer film. Um, they did because they couldn't get enough Formula One cars, so they got some Formula Juniors, which were little four-cylinder things, and they put like big spaghetti exhausts on them um, to make it look like Formula One cars, um, which is, you know, fine, fair enough. But, the, you know, but you know, everything else, they pretty much, is pretty much as, a, as, as you see it. And it's also, you know, the noise of the cars, you know, they're also authentic. You know, you've got the Ferrari, you know, V12 and, um, you know, all the V8s. And yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a really good film. In fact, I might have to go and watch it tonight. Okay, um, well, so yeah, when you were talking about Driven, um, yeah. you, you, I mean, you referenced, <laughs> you, t- you spoke about um, shifting down a gear and pushing your foot to the floor to go faster. Yes. And that could, you could have been describing this franchise that you haven't watched a minute of, so I know you, <laughs> you might not be aware of this, but that, that is absolutely uh, a, a proper fast and furious trope, okay? That's, it's just in every single one of the films, to go faster you change gear and then push your foot down and then change gear some more. Just, just change gear more and, and you'll be faster than the other harder. Yeah. I didn't realise it was that easy. So that's, that's, what, that's a mistake I've been making all these years. Just try it next time you're on track. Don't do it on the road. That's dangerous. No. But so hang on, so change, change gear. Do you change down yeah. or up a gear? You change it's, down a gear, presumably. Either. Oh, it doesn't matter. Either. <laughs> <laughs> and then you put do your foot need down, a, and then you win the race. It's that you easy. Do need, you do need 14 gears to win a race <laughs> in these terms. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, okay. So, I mean, you must how, have seen How many have there been? I think there have been nine. I think the ninth came out recently. Uh, how many have you seen? Well, that's an interesting point. So... I, you know, the, uh, the first one came out, I don't know when it was, but it must have been 20 years ago or something. And so I was a teenager and quite into the sort of modified car thing. I thought it was the coolest thing going. Um, and it, it felt like a car person's film. You know, there's enough uh, sort of attention paid to the details, enough respect um, paid to the, to the cars themselves. The, what, the what, what's it about? Is it about sort of illegal street racing and that sort of thing? It is about illegal street racing, but also sort of gang crime um, and robberies and, you know, holding up wagons and so on. Um, and there's a, an undercover cop. So, I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a narrative, a bit of a plot going on. It's, do, they, when, do, 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 a, do they always try and stick a love interest in there somewhere? Oh, of course. Yeah, yes. of course. There's definitely a couple of those. Um, but when you're a 15-year-old kid, you know, it's the coolest thing. I, I just loved it. And there are great driving sequences, um, despite all the gear changing. And then, yeah, I mean, the, the first few were, for me, sort of similar to that. They, they were enjoyable and watchable, and you appreciated um, the, the car details and the driving sequences, 
Um, and, you know, they do do some really quite lively things with those cars. Some of it preposterous, of course, but some of it clearly real and beautifully done. However, for me, that franchise, Fast and Furious, was a bit of a victim of its own success because it became so huge. And it's now one of the biggest grossing franchises ever. I think it's uni- is it a universal franchise. If, if, it is, if it's universal, it's their biggest ever. So it's an enormous thing. And I feel like it became so big that they realized they had to totally broaden it out. And that's when The Rock became involved. That's when, that's when it became an action franchise more than a car and driving franchise. Um, and it just got sillier and sillier and sillier to, to the point where you're watching it. And as a car person, you know, they'll, they'll be doing some bizarre street race somewhere. And the bloke wins by going into reverse and out accelerating the guy who's in fifth gear, <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah, it's, you just, right. you watch okay. that sort of thing unfold and you just think, come on. Um, and I think they've just had to go dafter and dafter with it just to sort of keep ahead of themselves. I, I haven't seen the last one, which probably says a lot. I just didn't bother, but I think they went into space. I'm sorry. I think they went into space. Um, I really should check this before before saying on the podcast, but you know they just they just have to find a way to keep turning it up and turning it up and yeah. besting themselves. Do you think that they will get to a stage where they kind of even they realise that they disappeared up their own backsides and then they'll just? I mean, Bond does this every so often, don't they? Doesn't it? I mean, Bond gets more and more ridiculous, and then suddenly you know daniel craig will turn up and just bring it back to basics and um you know completely redefine the whole thing all over again and and and, and then it's fine so, so maybe the fast and the furious 10 will be a really sort of pared down you know nitty-gritty proper enthusiast film it would be problem. great if it was really stripped back and just about street racing in la or somewhere that would be cool but i mean i think it's the last one they'll do so i feel like they're going to have to take it you know, even further into space, they're going to have to go to Mars or something. Um, I, I think that's what they'll do. I, I, I can't see them, um, you know, stripping it right back, cool as that would be for car people. Um, you mentioned Bond, and I'm yeah. only bringing this up because I saw the new one last night. Have you seen it? <gasps> I have seen it. Oh, I have seen it. It's good, no isn't spoilers. It? No spoilers. No, we won't give anything away. All I know, but if you haven't seen it, I promise I won't dwell on this. I promise you this, when you leave the cinema, you will be speaking about it. It's not one of those films where you come out of the cinema and think to yourself, oh, that was a fun way of spending a couple of hours, and then, you know, where's my curry? You'll come out of it. Your jaw will probably be on the floor, and you'll be thinking about it for days, and you'll be talking about it. So, yeah. Uh, whether you actually... You know, I know some people who didn't really like it very much, but they were really? still talking about it, yeah. Um, but, mm. yes. Sorry. I loved it. It was it was quite unbondy at points. You know, I thought for the first ten minutes I'd walked into the wrong screen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Just it doesn't feel like a Bond opening sequence, does it? No, but it doesn't. No. I'd, yeah, I thought it was fantastic, and there's some great car content in there. Um, yeah, some good thanks driving to our, thanks sequences. Thanks to our mate Marrow. Yeah, and and Higgy, Mark Higgins. Um, yeah, there's just there's some brilliant stuff going on there. Um, yeah, I loved it. But we're not really here to talk about Bond films. Um, so we've done Fast and Furious. We've done a couple of the old motorsport. Let's do Le Mans 66. Yeah. Ford versus Ferrari. Yes. Um, you've, uh, you've spoken about this film on the podcast before because you think it's Shelby versus Ford, actually, don't you? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I did enjoy it. Um, I, it's not for me. 
um, and it's not for you because it's not a real um, hardcore car nuts film. I'll tell you what I really, really liked about it um, is that Ken Miles finally got the appreciation that he deserved because Ken Miles has, or, you know, in the, oh, he died, whatever it was, 55 years ago. Um, he's never been appreciated. People have no, most people won't have even heard of him. They, you know, when you hear Miles, you know, they might think John Miles, who's completely unrelated, who was um, Jim Clark's teammate. But, you know, th- what Ken Miles did, particularly with the GT40 program, um, was, was amazing. And it's great that that has been recognised finally. Um, as a film, yeah, I thought, it, I, I, I thought it was quite nicely done. I mean, there were so many... I think I wrote something on the... I don't know whether they did it on the Apple Instagram site, but just listing the inaccuracies in it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, entire Le Mans 24 Hours, which were part of that story, just omitted. Uh, and putting, you know, Ken Miles in Le Mans that he didn't take place in. And, um, you know, that bit where Carol Shelby goes up in flames uh, at Le Mans. Well, no, he didn't. Um, Roy Salvadori did. Um in an Aston Martin at Goodwood, um, so they've so they've nicked bits here and there, and and if you know about this stuff, it's annoying. But if you don't, it doesn't matter. Um, and I think for most people, probably aren't quite as sad as I am. Um, I don't have that sort of you know obsessional interest with it, and I think they'll just think it's a it's just an interesting story. Uh, and I think the lead characters, I think Christian Bale's amazing. Uh, I think Matt Damon's good enough. Um, and yeah, I think it's an. I mean, but it, I mean, it, it's not. The, it's not a sort of thing that stays with you. It's. It, I mean, that is a film that you watch, you enjoy, and uh, and then move on from. Mm. Would you I agree? Quite, I, I enjoyed watching it. I've said that some of the driving sequences were frustrating. Um, oh, no, they weren't frustrating. You just, they just sort of stand out a little bit to someone who knows what these things should look like. Um, but I just enjoyed that, yeah, you're right, that the Ken Miles story was told, that the GT40 story was told, but also to a mainstream audience. It was a big film, wasn't it? It was, it was all over the place. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just enjoy it when our little corner of the world gets some spotlight in a positive way. Um, when people were really going, wow, those cars are beautiful. The, the, you know, the way they were developed, the sounds that they make, the challenge of driving them around that's it um, yeah. circuit de la Salle for 24 hours you know there's a real appreciation for all that it takes to do that stuff and that's what i enjoyed about that film yeah no i completely agree yeah even though for even though enzo ferrari wasn't at lamore in 1966 <laughs> <laughs> okay enough don't get me started <laughs> um right should we do both gone in 60 seconds yes yes so there's the brilliant one and then there's the <laughs> You know, I, I can't. I can barely remember seeing the second one. Was it Nicolas Cage? It was Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just hopeless. Uh, <laughs> so, but the, but the original one, if you haven't seen it, um, it was made by this lunatic called H. B. Halicki, uh, who I think was a stunt man, um, and I think he did most of the driving in it. And I mean, it's not a film; it's a filmed car chase. And he basically, it's not quite this, but it's basically, you know, he nicks a car on the opening shot and the last shot is kind of, you know, and, and then the entire film is a car. But it's, um, I mean, it's very much a kind of cult film, um, but it's a lot of fun and uh, well worth the watch. Mm. And, and they don't okay. bother with love interest or anything like that. It's just cars. It's just, <laughs> it's, 
Um, and it's, I think uh, I'm yeah. seeing a theme here with you, actually, Andrew. Um, yeah, so the, the new Gone in 60 Seconds. Again, it's one of those that I probably first watched when I was 14. And it, you know, it had the Eleanor Mustang and you know, people getting shot. And there was a bit of a story going on and they were stealing cars. And yeah, I probably quite enjoyed it. If I watched it now, I suspect I'd find it excruciating. Um, but yeah, well, although there are some great cars in it doing quite cool things, so that's enjoyable. Um, but again, I'm uh, I'm not sure if we're ever going to do another one of these podcasts because I've not seen the original Gone in 60 Seconds either. I suspect you're just going to walk out the door now and find well, something we, else to do. Podcast with. <laughs> Once you've done your research and seen these films, the thing is, you should see it because you'll you'll just have a really good time doing it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. I just need some time to do it. Yeah. Um, okay. Were there any more that you wanted to talk about? Italian jobs. I mean, it's, it's on, the then. Italian job. Please tell me you've seen the Italian job. Is that the one with... Yes, I've seen it. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've driven around Lingotto, the roof. Uh, yes, exactly. Track. Exactly. So, okay. It's not, um, it's not motor racing. It's, it's all silly. It's all pretty tongue-in-cheek. But actually... Um, the Mini Chase, I think, is 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 one of the greatest car chases that's ever been filmed because it was filmed because it was filmed so creatively, because they didn't just have people, you know, the, the usual thing where cars sort of go down pavements and you know stunt people scatter and you know a pile of cardboard boxes and all the usual <laughs> nonsense they do. They actually thought really hard about all the different scenes, from literally you know down in the sewers to up on top of. Um, the, the Lingotto factory. I just thought it was a really imaginative way to do that. And the minis, the minis are just cool. Uh, I, yeah, when I, I first I, saw it, so the film came out in 1969. I probably didn't see it then because I'd only been three, but I was, I was still, you know, I would have been like eight or nine when I saw it for the first time. And when they threw the minis off the back of the bus at the end, I was totally inconsolable. <laughs> I was just crying my eyes. I couldn't believe that they do that to them. What about the pretty car that gets pretty car off the cliff? Yeah, that wasn't great either. <laughs> that wasn't great either. Um, and, and, and you know, and of course, when you're that young, of course, it never occurs to you that it's actually not a Lamborghini Miura, and it's just some. In fact, I think it was. A, I think it was. I can't remember what was underneath it, but the body was from a. I think it was a Miura body, but some, but one which had already been crashed. Um, I think that's right. Um, and then obviously, um, yeah, the the Jags and the Aston as well, and yeah. A lot of nice metal lots of destruction. Got, lots of destruction. But you're, you're, you're right about the mini uh, chase sequence because they really thought about, well, these are minis. What can these cars do? Um, things like driving up into the back of the bus. Yeah, they just really thought about, let's make the most of the fact that these are tiny, diddy little cars. Let's send them down the sewers. Let's, you know. I love mm-hmm. that bit where they're going around that car park and they're being chased. Yeah. And then suddenly there's yeah. sort of wide shot. And you see all the police sort of go by and then suddenly three cars next to each other which you've seen all the time and you just don't realise mm. they're there pull out and it's the minis and they go the other way I, just, I always thought that was a really cool sequence <laughs> um, yeah okay you said you wanted to talk about both Italian jobs yeah now, again, I, have, I haven't seen the newer one either but I, I'm sure you don't have a problem with that was it terrible uh, okay I have to be completely honest with you I haven't seen all of it <laughs> okay did I can't even remember how much of it I have seen, but I stopped pretty shortly. It was it was it was just a joke. Uh, I can't remember any better. And frankly, let's sort of move on a bit because yeah, really not. 
Um, I'll tell you what I do want to discuss. Did you, what, you must have seen Rush. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I liked it. I, I mean, obviously, they play fast and loose with the actual narrative. Um, yeah. And I don't think it's fair that Nicky Lauda comes out of it a sort of rat-like, villainous... He's a yeah. hero. Yeah. Um, I don't think James Hunt was quite the swashbuckling character that whatever his name portrayed Who him was as. Who was it? Was it Liam Hemsworth? Hemsworth? It's one of the Hemsworth. Hem- was, what, what, yeah, was, was it Chris? It was, probably, it was Chris Hemsworth, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I completely agree with you. Um, mm. I actually thought... I thought the bloke who played Nicky Lauda was a really good actor. Daniel um, Brule. Exactly. Um, and I thought Chris Hemsworth actually did a very good job with a complete cardboard cutout character he'd been given. Totally monodimensional. Um, and, and actually quite disrespectful to the memory of the man because, you know, he, he was, he certainly had that in him, but there was so much more to James Hunt than that. Um, I can remember talking to Jochen Mass, who was his teammate that season. So if anybody knew, Jochen knew. And Jochen is one of the most intelligent, thoughtful, considered, least hysterical people you'll ever meet. Um, and the last person in the world who would, you know, perpetuate a myth because it was cool. And he was just saying, you couldn't be a Formula One driver like that. You know, pissed every night, you know, all night, you know having sex and getting in a racing car because he said you just you'd just be terrible you'd be really bad at your job you'd come nowhere if you didn't kill yourself in the process you had to and he said you know he, he said he couldn't speak for james in the off season you know and he saw that james went off and partied lots when you know over the winter but you know all this business about um you know him turning up you know drunk or hung over or you know with various girls in tow before getting in the car he said he never saw it hmm and he was his teammate so if anybody mm. in the world would have seen it it would have been knocking and he never saw it um, and I, th- I just think that I mean I kind of understand that that's the sort of box office approach but it's like um, it's my problem with you must have seen the um, the Queen for Bohemian Rhapsody yeah yeah okay so my problem with that film and it's exactly and I only mention it now because that isn't about cars but it's exactly the same problem that I have with uh, with Rush is the work, what they did, the the stories that they created, the exaggerations they made um, about Freddie Mercury's life, I thought was disrespectful to the memory of the man because it was kind of like, and don't forget it was the band who made that film. Um, it was like saying, oh, Freddie's life, Freddie wasn't interesting enough to make a film about, so we'll just Come invent on. some stuff. And make and turn him into a person that he wasn't, because then we can put more bums on seats and make more money out of his memory. Uh, and I, I found that is offensive too strong a word. Yes, offensive is too strong a word. But I found it unfortunate. And I find and I found the portrayal of James Hunt in Rush unfortunate because I just know that there was, you know, I spoke to before he died. I was speaking at length to Murray about James. Um, and Murray would say that he hated James when they first met, um, but over a period of time when he got to know him and got to understand you know, the quite complex nature of this man's character, um, he got a completely different impression. And they were, 
you know they were really really good friends towards the end of it and i just wish we'd seen a bit more of um hunt's humanity um because i think i think apart from anything else i think it would have made for a better film than this sort of you know you know slight you know idiot that you know he 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 was made out to be um like I, the, my, my other problem with it was I kept on watching it and thinking, well, that's Cadwell Park or whatever. That, that's, not what that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the Nurburgring, that's Cadwell Park or whatever. Um, but, 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 but then, you yeah, know, that's very much a problem for, 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 for me and you rather than for, rather than for most people. But um, I did still enjoy it. I think they did, I think what they did, they did very, very well was um, Louder's sort of fight back after the accident and the hell he went through um i think that was all quite accurate i think his life was absolutely that close to being lost uh i think all the procedures he had to have i think all that was and then him coming back six weeks later and getting in the car at monza and everything i think that was all um all sort of fair enough and and, and i guess one of the things that i struggle with a bit is why they in some regards were so faithful and accurate and in other regards, just played mm. so fast and loose with the truth. Mm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, good. Okay, that was interesting. I've got some homework to do. Yes, um, I need to. I need to go and watch some films. Okay, we're not going to talk about them now. But you need to. Have you, have you watched Duel? No. Okay, I so saw you need to watch Duel. Okay, Duel. So that's that was Spielberg's first big movie. It's the film he did before Jaws. Okay, okay? and it's okay. basically it's a bloke in a car being traced, chased by. A maniac in a truck and that's all <laughs> right. the film is it's just, that's all the film is and you never get to see the maniac in the truck it's just a truck um and it's it's hitchcock like in its suspense it's an absolutely oh. brilliant film and oh, all okay. you get to see is you get to see it from this man's perspective and he doesn't mm. understand why this bloke in this truck is trying to kill him um bloody hell that sounds stressful yeah uh, and there's another okay. one called, yeah, and you see Vanishing Point as well, which is yes. about a bloke driving a uh, a Dodge Challenger across America, very fast. So is that f- that's five films I think I need to go and watch. That's an entire Sunday. Um, yeah, but that's fine. That'll be enjoyable. Cannibal runs, gumball rallies. No, no, oh don't, bother God, don't, don't bother with any of those. Don't bother with any of those. Don't bother with any of those. But yeah, but so certainly, dual Vanishing Point, the original Gone in sixty seconds, Grand Prix, yeah. and Le Mans. That is your homework. Okay, okay, I've got my list. Yes. I'll start chewing through those as soon as I can. Um, good. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, please remember, everybody, to rate and review the podcast. It does make a difference. Lots of you have been doing it, and it really helps. So please keep doing it. Please. Um, and the app. We haven't really yeah. spoken about the app recently, but there's been some great stuff on there recently. Um, you can go and download it for free and start your free trial. Um, and then it's five quid a month if you want to stick with us, and we think you will. Or you can pay 50 quid for the year. Um, we've got some big plans for the app. Um, I can't say anything more about it now, but we, we really are putting a lot of work into it and there's much, much more to come. Um, so please go and check the app out, rate and review the podcast. Um, and we'll be back to talk more car nonsense at you this time next week. You having watched a few more movies in the meantime, I shall be (laughs) quizzing. Okay. All right. Thanks everyone.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.